0: I'm Hannah.
1: I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And this is Cemetery Row.
0: I don't have it in me to woohoo. Yeah, <laughs> just, it's
1: y'all. It's been this a This is not going to be a woohoo situation here. No, <laughs> it's going to be a rager. We've had a rough time. I had an injured horse. Then, you know, we had some mental health, needed a break yeah i mean to be frank i had a
2: meltdown so you know no we've all
0: been there we have all been there the world kind of sucks right now i don't know if anyone noticed um but before we get into that really Rosie. speaking (laughs) of criminals um (laughs) sheena let us know about the case in oxford
2: yeah, so I wanted to bring this to the attention of our listeners. Now, by the time this episode comes out, I hope we have some answers, but I don't know. Um, this could go any way possible, but there's an old Miss student who is currently missing. Um, I really want, if, if you're a North Mississippi or um, West Tennessee listener, if you're in, anywhere in the vicinity of Oxford, I just hope you keep your eyes and ears out. Um, there's a student known, um, named Jimmy Lee, also known as Jay Lee, who was last seen this past Friday, July 8th, um, and he is a friend of... A friend of the podcast spencer (laughs) um my best friend spencer is a drag queen down there in oxford and jay um helps out with a lot of those drag shows and all this so um when you see pictures of jay he may not strike you as you may see him and and think he's a woman honestly he he dresses very feminine wears makeup he's beautiful um but that worries me you know being black being gay Mm -hmm. in mississippi is uh you might as well have a target on your back quite frankly unfortunately so they today which is we are recording on monday july 11th they found his car um it appears that he went to a he left his apartment complex and drove to someone else's apartment complex and someone at that second apartment complex had his car towed so that's a little shady i'm very worried about jay and um I just want him brought home safely. I, I I don't have a lot of, you know, good faith there because this is Mississippi, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping and praying that when you see pictures of him, he is glorious and happy and beautiful. And I hope he is somewhere living his best life and that we find him safely. Um, so we'll post some stuff on our socials. Um, if you know anything, please say something. Um, as I told the girls earlier, I was you know, you, you kind of do some Facebook stalking because, you know, no you want to know who, who this is. And I've been talking to Spencer, like, what can we do? You know, how can we help find him? And I noticed, uh, he said he was a DJ on rebel radio, which is the old Miss student newspa- uh, newspaper, old Miss student radio station where I was I th- a DJ. I know Hannah was yes. Lori every day from one to two. There you <laughs> go. And I, I kept, I was promised a show. Did I ever show up for it? No, <laughs> it happened. Listen, it I was editor of the paper, I was a little busy anyway. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna um keep y'all informed on that because um, I want to protect the black people of Mississippi, I want to protect the LGBTQ people in Mississippi, and um, whatever we can do to bring them home safely, and if. Absolutely. If we if something terrible happens, then we're going to lift his name up. So absolutely. Right. And just,
1: just as an addendum, you know, we all know this, but it, it appears from what we've been able to read from friends and uh, his personal social media that he does identify as he, him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he can present as feminine or he can present as masculine. It doesn't appear that he is uh, a trans female. So. We will continue to use the he, uh, him pronouns until we are notified otherwise. If that's the case, right, right,
2: absolutely. All right. So we do have a difficult episode this week. But yeah, it's a very yes. important topic.
0: There's um, going to be much more Mississippi slander in oh, this. Yeah. Um, in this one,
2: well, just slander of the United States in general. Well, oh yeah, <laughs> but Lots yeah, of slander wait, so in in. In light of the uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned, we wanted to talk about women who sought abortions and they were illegal at the time or whatever, and, and they passed away from botched abortions. Because, as we all know, if illegal abortions are the rule of the day, then there is not a safe abortion. You you just can't have a safe abortion if they're illegal and you're having to do them in a hotel room or God knows where. Um, We did share on our socials and I know I shared on my um, social media channel for my stone cleaning the story of Kate McCormick. And we covered her back in November on our episode about um, stones that list a cause of death. She was a woman from just outside of Memphis who got pregnant. Um, in the 1870s and sought an abortion and died from it and um, she was unclaimed no one everyone was ashamed of her and they wouldn't claim her body and she was buried at Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis only through the kindness of strangers who did not know her and then a hundred years later finally she got a marker Mm. Um, also obviously from a stranger who just wanted to mark her story and mark her Grave. So we're doing this episode. It's going to be a tough one. We know it's tough. Um, but we need to talk about these women. We need to talk about these issues. Um, and I don't want this to just be a talk about women. This is anyone who can get pregnant, right? Uh, regardless of gender. And um we need to talk about these people we need to lift their names up we need to keep their their stories front and center because this is what we're going to and we need to fight it with everything we have um i will say at the same token though um because this was honestly a part of my mental health (laughs) meltdown over the weekend if you need to take a break from listening to stuff like this dude i get it um there's a reason why i i do a lot of research on stuff like this, but then I spent a lot of time watching, I love Lucy or something (laughs) silly to, you know, lighten the load a little bit. So if you need to take a break, we understand that too. um, take care of yourself. Times are hard for not just everyone personally, but everyone
0: nationally. Yeah. Yeah. Internet. I mean, it's just, it's a really shitty state of affairs right now it really is is. and it it seems like every time there's a news story that comes across it's just crueler and crueler and more brutal and more brutal um so yeah Yeah. we understand um and so i'm gonna get started with some really cruel and brutal shit so i'm very sorry
1: trigger warning for everything (laughs) yeah basically
0: conceivable thing um so as Sheena kind of said, you know, they're going to kind of talk about some of the women who um, were unable to access safe abortions and the tragedy that happened be- because of that. Um, mine's going to be a little bit more because you guys know me by now. Um, you know, what, what this means beyond just the personal tragedies, which are, of course, very, very important, but was this a grander scale and just mm-hmm. what happens when people... Do not have control over their lives, um, especially in something as as important as your reproduction. Mm -hmm. So (sighs) buckle in. As we dive through the deeply personal tragedies that come when people cannot access abortion services safely, we cannot forget that pregnancy is a watershed moment in every pregnant person's life, whether they choose to maintain the pregnancy, whether the pregnancy ends in a live birth, whether it ends in a miscarriage, whether it ends in a stillbirth, it's it's a huge moment. In the person who is pregnant's life. There's a tweet going around saying, in summary, that creatures who are not allowed to control their reproduction are livestock. We, especially white women, cannot forget that the modern anti-abortion movement is deeply rooted in white supremacy and eugenics. And my two stories show both sides of this great tragedy. Dr. Gisela Pearl which I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Cause it's a very pretty name was a devoutly Jewish OBGYN living in Sikhet, which I'm definitely mispronouncing, mm-hmm. which was <laughs> formerly part of Hungary is now part of Romania. When in 1944, the Nazis invaded her family, including her son, daughter, and parents were removed to a ghetto and later to Auschwitz-Birkenau. Gisela's infant daughter was hidden with a non-Jewish family and would survive the war. Her last words to her husband were, "We will meet someday in Jerusalem." Hmm.
2: All Once right, she- I'm going to start squalling already.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, oh girl, <laughs> girl. Once she arrived in the death camp, Doctor Joseph Mengele, that, mother, oh, that yep, <laughs> face, yep. Well. The angel of death took notice of her profession. Initially, she had just you know been bandaging wounds and you know taking care of scrapes and scratches, but then he told her if she found pregnant women they'd be taken to a more comfortable camp and given more food so she did it then she saw guards beat a group of pregnant women savagely sick dogs on them and then throw them in the crematorium oven still alive jesus oh god in that moment gisella knew there would never be another pregnant woman in auschwitz The Nazis understood that the way to eradicate the Jewish population was to cut it off at the source. Women, mothers, Um, again, anyone who could be pregnant, but the Nazis were specifically talking in gender binary terms. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go with that. Whenever she heard of a pregnant woman in camp, she made the situation crystal clear. If the guards find out, you'll both die a torturous death. If she terminated this pregnancy now, the woman in question could possibly have children in the future. She didn't. They're both going to die. Gisela performed these procedures with no tools, antiseptics or any other medical intervention. She did it with her bare hands under the cover of night on dirty floors, roaming, roaming from barrack to barrack putting her own life at risk. Um, and when I say bare hands, she literally would like stick her hands up into women and do it that way. Okay. Lori girl, hold on. It's okay. (laughs) One baby, she was able to successfully deliver, but she would later have to kill in order to hide the newborn from SS guards. Mm -hmm.
1: That's awful. Well, the, you know, I, I, I don't want to say bright side because there is no bright side, but right. at least she was able to probably do it humanely. Right? Yes, she um, did. babies far better than the guards would have done. Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. And I mean, the baby probably ha- had the guards not killed it. That baby, God only knows, destined to die no matter yeah. what because yeah, absolutely. of the. But that is just. I cannot imagine having to do that. No, yeah. I can't either.
0: After liberation, Gisela stayed close to the camp for several months to help deliver the babies of newly liberated prisoners. When she left to find her family, she discovered that her husband, son, and parents were killed in the camps. Awful. Her father, it was said, went to the chamber with a prayer book Gisela had bought him when she graduated from medical school. This is the first time Gisela thought of suicide. Mm -hmm. Everything she went through, she... In the camp, she said, uh, you know, I'm going to see my family again. And when she figured out she wasn't going to see her family again, that was really the first time that she like despaired. Right. Which I mean, kudos to you, babe, because I would have lost my shit way oh, before yeah. then. She came to the United States and worked in Manhattan on the maternity floor of a hospital and later operated her own fertility practice oh, wow. whose patients included former Auschwitz survivors. Mm. In 1978, more than three decades after the invasion that split apart her family, she discovered her daughter was indeed alive. She had no idea that her oh. daughter was just a oh,
1: man. baby
0: yeah. baby when um, they had gotten taken to the camps. And so she had no idea what had become of her, but she did find out that she was alive and living in Israel. Huh. Uh, and think about it. She hadn't seen her child in 30 years. Right, mm.
2: That's incredible.
0: Gisela kept her promise to her husband and moved to Israel to be with her daughter, grandson, and one sister that survived. She would continue to deliver babies until her death in 1988. Every time she entered the delivery room, she stopped first to pray. That prayer was always the same. God, you owe me a life, a living baby. In honor of Dr. Pearl and many others, an artist created the Hands of Choice Memorial for Jews who saved Jews in Safed, Israel. Two hands hold a Star of David inscribed with the names of Jews who helped save other Jews, including Dr. Gisela Pearl. And since it always bears repeating, the Nazis got a lot of their eugenics ideas from the good old U.S. of A. They sure did. did. To that end, many states, especially in the South, I'm looking at you, had a long standing practice of forcibly, often surreptitiously, sterilizing undesirables, heavy air quotes, including those with mental health difficulties or criminal records, and of course, people of color. The most significant era of eugenic sterilization was between 1907 and 1963. Man, too close. Yeah, comfort. that's probably yeah. during your parents' lifetime. Definitely oh, yeah. during my parents' lifetime, and 1907 predates the Nazis by quite a bit. When more than 64,000 individuals were forcibly sterilized under eugenic legislation in the United States, we hear about oh, maybe this happened a dozen of to- dozen times. 64,000 yep that's a lot so if this happened 56 years that's a thousand people a year Mm -hmm. at least getting sterilized uncool though it is unknown the exact number of african-american women who were sterilized throughout the country in the 20th century we do have some estimates they weren't keeping really great records of this if you can imagine right In the state of North Carolina, which was seen as having the most aggressive eugenics programs out of the 32 states that had eugenics programs, more than half of the 76, 7,600 women who were sterilized by the state between 1933 and 1973, 5,000 were African-American out of 7,600. I'm not really good at math, but you can figure that one out. Yep. An estimated 40% of Native American women from 60 to 70,000 women and 10% of Native American men in the United States underwent sterilization in the 1970s. my Mm. God. It's not great. It's not fucking great. No, it's not. So when we talk about whose choices are getting taken away, white women are getting the choice to not have children taken away while people of color and other people were having the choice to have children taken away it's not only who we don't let have i mean in even you know during nazi germany they had the um Lebensborn programs where they were telling Aryan women like have as many babies as you can pump out
2: yeah, sounds a lot like some of the rhetoric going around now. I yeah. wonder where
0: we've heard that before. Yeah. One victim of eugenics driven forced sterilization was the civil rights firebrand, Fannie Lou Hamer. Fannie was the youngest of 20 children.
1: She's, <laughs> oh, her mother's Her mother's vagina. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> bless
0: her mama. Oh, bless her mama. Born to a sharecropping family in the Mississippi Delta. She was the most literate on the various plantations her family worked on. So she was often given administrative roles. She was also deeply involved in her biblical studies and she would very much tie her civil rights activism to her biblical uh, mm-hmm. beliefs. After a couple of fair failed pregnancies in her forties, Fanny was supposed to receive a procedure to remove a small uterine tumor, which is probably a fibroid. Um, i tons of people I know have uterine fibroids like oh yeah it's such a thing it's common yeah and the treatment for it these days is so much better right um the white physician chose instead to do a full hysterectomy of course he did that is so wild not only effectively sterilizing yeah but Mm -hmm. also like the recovery from a hysterectomy ain't no joke
2: it's serious. That is a major, major surgery and the
0: lifelong health consequences. I mean, unless you have really good hormone therapies, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. The tactic among white physicians was so well-known. It became known as the Mississippi appendectomy. (laughs) Oh my God. Of course it was when women would go in for one medical procedure or even to give birth and would, um, be sterilized against their God will, Almighty. or they would not be fully informed of the procedure they're about to undergo. Um, and while I was researching that a little bit, I thought of a story of a boss who will remain nameless who is in the past. They were discussing that you know, a lot of women, as soon as their six weeks is up, they're pregnant again. Um, right. and so this particular boss, who is not a great person in general, was like, Well while they're in there with the baby can't you just put the iud in and i'm like wow that is a war crime wow. yeah <laughs> that is okay a war crime. okay like, like no like that is eugenics no you can't do that no <laughs> you fucking asshole she was an asshole even yeah. if i like explained that it was eugenics, she just still been on board she was like, well
1: and that it like <laughs> someone who identifies as a woman is saying, right. Put the yeah. in after they've given birth. Yes. Yeah. It's all messy down there. Let's just go ahead and stick it in while we're there. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, I had my tubes tied when I had Bonnie, because that was my choice. Right. They were already in there. That makes it less invasive, but to just assume that you can just, right. yeah. You know, when, when you, that downstairs region has been fucked with right dumb as shit yeah and
0: and then it's like are you even gonna like ask their permission or you just we just out here just willy-nilly IUDing people without their adding pool um that was like after i was born and my mom wanted her tubes tied and i was born in a catholic hospital and my parents were catholic and they're like are you aware this is against your faith and my mom's like is the pope sending me a check for any of these kids (laughs) yeah exactly yeah (laughs) tie them up so, um, Hamer said she lost not only her capacity to reproduce, but everything that it symbolized for women, especially black women living in a desperately poor rural environment and possessing nothing that was truly theirs, right. save their faith and their own bodies.
2: Exactly. Yes.
0: Took away the last thing that they owned, which was mm-hmm. their body, which right. is such an invasion. Mm-hmm. And because Mississippi stays being the worst, I said what I said. Let's remember what state brought the case that brought, got led to Roe being overturned. Yep. Hamer learned about the violent act through gossip on the plantation on which she worked. She didn't even know her uterus had been taken. Oh, out. my God. They, right, so
2: she can't properly care for herself.
0: Right. She gets home. Yeah. Right. Like, the doctor didn't tell her, didn't tell her husband what had happened wow. to her. And because life is fucking cruel and Mississippi is fucking awful, the wife of the plantation owner, Vera Marlowe, I don't know where she is, but I hope she's dead. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> was a relative of the doctor who had completed the procedure. and oh, an act man. of spite, Marlowe began circulating the story to a cook who later spread the word to the other workers on the plantation vera Marlowe, i don't know you but fuck you yeah and i yeah. hope you're dead i'm sorry i'm not sorry fuck you though so hamer and her husband who went by the nickname pap which i low-key kind of love, <laughs> his name was perry uh would adopt two local girls and raise them so they did get to parent which is i yeah. would love Fanny would channel her rage into action. Fanny is a hero. That summer, Hamer attended a meeting led by civil rights activist James Foreman of SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and James Bevel of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the SCLC, um, which I believe Dr. King was involved with as well. Hamer was incensed by efforts to deny Blacks the right to vote. She became an organizer and on August 31st, 1962, led 17 volunteers to register to vote at the Indianola Mississippi Courthouse. Did not go well. I know Indianola. I don't think it probably would go well today.
1: No, for
0: sure. (laughs) Denied the right to vote due to an unfair literacy test. The group was harassed on the way home when the police stopped their bus and fined them $100 because, wait for it, The bus was too yellow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That night, Marlo fired Hamer for her attempt to vote. Her husband was required to stay until the harvest. They confiscated almost all of their property and the Hamers moved to Ruleville, Mississippi in Sunflower County with very little. I believe Sunflower is where BB King's from, too. Uh, in June 1963, Hamer and several other Black women were arrested for sitting in a whites only bus station in Winona, Mississippi. At the Winona jailhouse, she and several other women were brutally beaten. Yeah, don't hit women unless they're Black women, then beat the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Leaving Hamer with lifelong injuries from a blood clot in her eye, kidney damage, and leg damage. If you see pictures of her, you'll notice one of her eyes looks kind of off and that's why is because some cops beat the shit out of her in a jail of course they did mm-hmm. in 1964 Hamer made moves on the national level as the co-founder of the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party this was the 19 um she also spoke at the 1968 Democratic National Convention which I believe was a- all-out riot it was a little crazy um which challenged the democratic party's efforts to block black participation hamer and other mfdp members went to the democratic national convention that year arguing to be recognized as the official delegation when Hamer spoke before the credentials committee calling for mandatory integrated state delegations president asshole and sex pest lbj (laughs) <laughs> held a televised press conference so she would not get any airtime but her wow. speech was televised later so fuck you lbj and
2: night biden god i was just about to say uh just to make your day if if everything i have just researched is correct vera Marlowe died in 2005 at the age of 82 mm.
1: hmm. and
2: i've crossed too long it yeah. was um but i cross-referenced that a couple times and i think that's the correct vera <laughs> okay <laughs> fuck you just hope you're enjoying hell yes basically by
0: 1968 hamer's vision for racial parity and delegations became a reality and she was a member of mrs Dibb's first integrated delegation fuck yeah fanny in 1964 She also helped organize Freedom Summer. I hope you've heard of that. Oh, yes. Which brought hundreds of college students, black and white, to help with African-American voter registration in the South. In 1964, she announced her candidacy for Mississippi House of Representatives. What was barred from the ballot? In 1965, Victoria hamer victoria gray and annie devine became the first black women to stand in the u.s congress when they unsuccessfully protested the mississippi house election good job she also saw economic justice for black mississippians by founding the freedom farm cooperative initially started by donating pigs to black farmers she called this a pig bank which i fucking love (laughs) Um, and eventually swelling to 640 acres a co-op store a boutique a sewing enterprise as well as 200 units of low-income housing the co-op would fold in the 70s and soon after in 1977 fannie lou hamer would pass away jesus christ rosie she is laid to rest next to her husband in the Fannie Lou Hamer Memorial Gardens.
1: Yes, she is.
0: Fuck yeah. In Ruleville, Mississippi. There's also a really, really beautiful statue of her as as well as some of her like famous phrasing phrases. Um, This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. That kind of started with her. Mm -hmm. Um, One of her famous phrases was I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. She was just a fucking firebrand yep. so the, these are the consequences of you know not just access to abortion but the right to determine your own path and your own way in this life and to have that taken away not just by you know surreptitiously IUDing somebody but taking out your entire reproductive system right Without even telling you. And she had to find out from gossip on the fucking plantation. Right. And yes, there were still plantations in the 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. So think about that before you do one of your little plantation weddings. FYI.
2: So. Thank you for covering her. I've, I've wanted to cover her for a long I time. I love so. her. She yes. is.
0: I I could probably do like five different stories on her because she just was so contained multitudes
2: prolific yeah, yeah. She did so a lot this of is
0: obviously just a very like succinct kind of summation of her life but she was absolutely amazing so her and dr pearl are two amazing women who faced really fucking shitty odds but were caught co- that were caused by the same thing of white supremacy and genocide
2: yeah, yeah. and you know there were so many men too who black men mm-hmm. who were so Skiggy, abused yeah. yeah by by the us government who then you know by for you know giving them syphilis or whatever it right. absolutely ruined their health i mean it's it's just disgusting when all this country has done to black people. And that's the biggest understatement I could ever right. say. I
0: mean, it's the same with the war on drugs, which yeah. is mm-hmm. categorically built to destabilize black communities. Yep. It takes the young men for the most part out of these communities for the majority of their lives. And then when they're put back in to society, they're not given any opportunity a lot of places they can't vote it's hard for them to get jobs it's hard for them to Mm -hmm. do anything and so recidivism happens because you didn't give them any other choice and just remember that slavery is still legal as long as it is punishment for a crime
2: yep Mm -hmm. exactly
0: now on to more depression shit
2: (laughs) yep um so here we go Picture it, January 1973, there is an ABC press conference. Um, It's being held to discuss Roe versus Wade, and a man holds up a picture of a woman. She is naked, lying dead on a motel floor. There are bloody towels between her legs, and he asks very succinctly, uh, is it the one-inch tissue we are concerned about, or is it the dead woman on the motel floor? You guys have seen this picture. You know, I had never seen it until y'all really? told me about her. Never, yeah. I I wish I hadn't. Honestly, yeah, yeah, it's a it's hard picture. Mm-hmm. So this is a picture where who is was, and that's my next thing is who was this woman? Where did the picture come from? That's what I'm going to discuss. I somehow have never seen it, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners have um, because it has been used hundreds of thousands of times probably since this woman died so we're going to talk about the woman in the photo and like i said i'll I'll describe more of the photo later but i please i'm not going to share it i I can't yeah yeah and Um, facebook probably wouldn't
0: even allow you to post it anyway so
2: probably not um but it is on her wikipedia page i mean just her heart you're just going down through there and kaboom there it is and i was not expecting it okay so geraldine Twerty, known as jerry to her friends and family was born on august 16th 1935 in connecticut uh she was a family um her family was originally from russia i think this may have been her parents or her grandparents who are from russia um she had 14 brothers and sisters jesus <laughs> Man, her her parents had 10 boys and five girls, huge, huge, huge family. Uh, They were raised on a farm. They all had to work on the farm. Of course, when you have that many kids, you, you put them to work. Um, and every kid had their chore. They said, um, her brothers and sisters said she was very fun, free spirited child. She loved to climb trees, like climbing trees was her jam. And if there was a chore she didn't want to do, she would just go climb a tree and kind of hide out, (laughs) which I thought was adorable. And -hmm. that's kind of mostly what I've heard about her as a child growing up. Um, so we're going to skip ahead about 18 years, um, at the age of 18 and about, 1953 she got married um this was not a great plan honestly but when you're 18 you're not maybe making the smartest choices um yeah her best friend Joyce was engaged and she told her I'll beat you to the altar basically and Joyce is like how you don't know anybody well she she (laughs) did beat Joyce to the altar by one week by <laughs> marrying a man named San Satoro, who she had only known for about three or four weeks. Geraldine. Uh, we oh, need bless, to talk, so oh. yeah, you know, I, I, when you see pictures of their wedding day, she's so pretty. She is just such an adorable young girl and you can see how happy she is. And I'm like, I love this for her because it's so happy and you can kind of feel her little teenage energy. Oh but yeah, it, but it really is truly in a lot of ways a very bad thing because I mean it's not 100 percent bad, but it's pretty it's it's essentially it's a fatal decision um, because Sam was a piece of crap. He oh. was an abuser, a racist, and a bigot. Oh. Um, they did have two daughters together, Judy and Joni. Um, and they were okay, married for about, cute. it's so <laughs> cute. I love their names. Um, they were married for about 10 years oh. and Sam didn't just abuse, uh, Jerry, but he also abused the the daughters as well. Ugh. And the daughters, you know, recalled him being, um, just a terrible person. And, um, uh, Jerry's brothers and sisters recalled him just being a jerk and a hothead. Um, now, he blamed his abusive behavior on his sinus issues. Oh, okay. Which yeah. I'm like, dude, I have sinus issues. I have and sinus I never hit issues another human. well.
0: I have had sinus headaches that have made me want to take a hammer to my own Same. face. <laughs> I've never been abusive. Right. I took so- my Sudafed and I went and lied down. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. I mean, I keep my little medicine here on my desk so I can take it several times throughout the day okay I would just like to interject here Sheena is allergic to cats (laughs) y'all she has a cat
1: cat. she doesn't (laughs) murder anybody
2: right McDuff doesn't set me off unless I like he did today I will say it because I petted him and then I touched my eyes I knew better I knew better so all of my pretty sparkly eyeshadow that I was wearing earlier today is gone but that's beside the point um so anyway yeah he was really cute (laughs) y'all um so anyway so sam because he had these sinus issues he wanted to move out to california where he thought the air would be drier and it would help his sinuses so and jerry didn't want to go she had no you know her whole family is there in connecticut why would you want to leave your entire family you know right so either way, he makes them move out there. So uh, Jerry starts to raise the kids out there and her daughters speak. They There's a documentary about her. And this is where I got a lot of information from her daughters. They They spoke so beautifully about her. What a wonderful mother she was. Um, They talked about how she handmade their Halloween costumes every year. Um, They didn't know what they were going to be until her, their mother made the costumes, (laughs) which I thought was cute. And they said they did this with their kids. So I'm like, that's really cool. Um, But after a while, Jerry has had enough. She's tired of the abuse. So she left Sam in 1963 and she pretty well packed the kids up and took off. I don't think she really took anything with them. And she goes back to Connecticut. So Jerry and her daughters move in with her parents and she takes a job at the Mansfield State Training School, which was like a school for special needs Mm. there in Connecticut to support herself and her kids. And she fell for a coworker named Clyde Dixon.
0: Oh, it's right there in the name. Piece
2: of shit, Clyde. My piece of crap grandfather was named Clyde. There is no good Clyde. No, like, don't trust a Clyde. There's just not. Especially no. their last name is Dixon. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Now I will say Jerry and Sam were still married. Clyde was married too. He had a family too. I don't oh, want dear. to. I don't want to knock them for this though, because life is messy and life is messy. It happens, quite frankly, this is just not great decision. It's not great decision making, but you know shit happens. Yes, it does. Anyway, so Jerry, as you know, there are birds, there are bees, and then there's a baby. Um, (laughs) uh, she gets pregnant and, um, I, I, it seems like she kind of waited a while for a minute before she decided to do anything about it she asked around for some ergot which was a it's a fungus it's been used since the middle ages to it induce abortion. Used to make people trip balls <laughs> well it also <laughs> induces abortion
0: <laughs> makes you wonder what was actually going on in Salem
2: yeah um so uh she'd asked her sister Leona about this. Like, Hey, can you get me some? And her sister's like, that's not the way to go about it. And of course this is 1963 ish, 1964 actually. And abortion is illegal. So her sister is like, don't do that. But here's 700. Like she scraped up about like $700 and she said, you know, take this money and and fix it. And so Jerry said, that's pretty good sister. And I gotta say, leona is a wonderful sister um she said she would find a way to take care of it basically um she was very vague about it but said she would find a way to take care of it um and of course leona i mean this is a big family leona is married has kids of her own she kind of is like cool and lets her go and right let baby. me know how it goes she's yeah. a grown-up you know yeah so meanwhile sam has been writing to jerry and um, he wrote to her and said, I'm going to come visit from California to Connecticut and visit my kids. And I'm going to try to patch things up with you. Ugh. So this really amps up Jerry's attempts to end this pregnancy because she feared for her life. She knew that if Sam, when Sam found out she was pregnant by another mm-hmm. man, he wouldn't just beat her. He would probably kill her. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is a desperate, in her eyes, abortion Our are plan life and death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so many abusers, that's their end game, truly. The number is to kill one you. cause
0: of death for pregnant women is, is murder.
2: Yes, it is. So, uh, she, this sounds so much like what I'm seeing other people say to do right now. You know how people do those little, um, oh, if you need to go camping Mm -hmm. it sounds almost like this when you read what she's plans and it's so scary and it's what we're living in now um but she gets Clyde and they go check into the norwich hotel which is in connecticut um under fake names you know because abortion is illegal right and of course you know back in those days if you checked in with two last names ooh scandal Mm -hmm. oh yeah anyway um this was june 8th 1964 sam was not far from arriving jerry though is about 28 weeks along she's about six (gasps) and a half months oh Oh, lord i didn't realize she was that far along yes um and like i said i'm not really sure in the timeline of how i know she'd been asking for the ergot and stuff like that for a little bit but once sam said he was coming Things sped up, right? I just wonder: had he not ever said, Maybe "I'm coming," she'd have gone through? Maybe she'd have kept it. Yeah, yeah I really do think know. so. I think I so. think she would have. I mean, she was already a really great mom, so right, you know. Um, but Clyde and Jerry bought medical equipment as well as a textbook that Clyde borrowed from Milton Morgan, mm-hmm. a Ooh. teacher at the school where they worked, um, to try to perform this abortion in the hotel.
0: Yeah, no, this is not something you do DIY
2: guys. No, not with a couple of medical tools and a textbook. No, yeah, no. And, and they- especially being that far along. too. Yeah. Yes. Um, so because abortion was illegal, this she felt like this was her only choice. Mm-hmm. And because it's two people who don't are not medical professionals and it's being done in a hotel with, you know, not a lot of. They don't know what they're doing. Quite frankly,
0: at least Gisella was an
2: OBGYN. Yeah. Right. Um, this was a botched procedure, and Oof. Jerry began to bleed profusely. And instead of calling 911 or doing anything, Clyde took off. Of course, he did. Oh, left. Fucking <laughs> stick. Clyde. He did not try to do anything. She tried to call her sister, Leona. But Leona was visiting another family member, so her kids, when she got home, said, oh, Aunt Jerry tried to call, she was crying, and by the time she called her, tried to call her back, there was no answer. And Jerry was alone in that hotel room when she bled to death from Mm -hmm. this botched abortion, and she was just 28. So the next morning, the maid finds Jerry's body. And they call the police because um, this is a crime scene, she, uh, yeah. a murdered woman. You know, there's blood everywhere. And of course, police took a photo of the scene. That's what they do at every crime scene, right? right? Oh, yeah. And as I said, that it, it's very, very graphic. And to be quite frank, if s- strangers saw my body in this position, I would be, there are no worse for how horrified and humiliated oh, I yeah. would feel. Right. And Jerry should not very feel humiliated. Mm -hmm. she should not feel humiliated she was trying to do her best but it's it's very bad she's naked she's kneeling her head is toward the wall on the ground there's bloody towels between her legs um so you mostly see her behind really Mm -hmm. um you can't really see her face but you can see her hair her her head is sort of turned to the side toward the camera but you really unless you knew it was her you wouldn't know it was her you right so um So that is the state she is found in. Now, Hmm. meanwhile, I'm going to mention this and go on because I don't care about these people. I care about Jerry. Um, Clyde Dixon and Milton Morgan were arrested three days later after Jerry's death. Clyde was charged with manslaughter and conspiracy to commit an illegal abortion, found guilty and was sentenced to a year and a day. Oh, so he served that and got out of jail and whatever. And I hope bad things happen to you, Clyde. Oh, Fucking they do. Clyde. We'll get to that. I okay. mean, <laughs> really yeah. nothing, nothing as bad as what happened to Jerry in my right. opinion, but, but you know, whatever. He died fairly young, which I'm like, yeah, should have been younger either way. Uh, Milton Morgan was arrested too for conspiring to commit illegal abortion. I didn't go much into his detail. He's the one who gave them the book. So, I mean, I think he was found guilty and spent some time in jail. I didn't go into it. I'm, I'm right. focused on Jerry. So again, let's go back to that picture of Jerry. So, basically, Jerry's family, the police, once her body is found, they call her mother. Her mother calls Leona, her sister, and says, I can't, they're saying that she's dead. I can't go identify the body. Please go identify the body. And Leona does. And they bury her. And so there we go. But 10 years-ish later, this horrifically graphic photo of Jerry makes its way to the public and first it was used in a flyer for NARL Pro-Choice America which used to be the uh, National Association for the Repeal of Abortion Laws but where it really gained traction was when it was published in Ms. Magazine in April 1973 alongside an article called Never Again jerry is unnamed in both of those instances she was also unnamed in that press conference that i mentioned earlier um where someone held up the picture and said do we care about the one inch tissue or the dead woman um so she's unnamed so her family didn't even realize these pictures were being published so they couldn't even get permission because they they didn't even know right and the ma- the magazine editor's felt okay with using it because they felt she was unidentifiable and that anonymity was anonymity was the quote deal of the day. So you know they were just like, well, you can't tell who she is. So we're it's okay with running it.
0: Right. And there were crime scene photos. So they didn't necessarily like need her family's permission, but I would still want to get her family's permission. I
2: would too and the way the the writer of the Never Again articles talked it seemed like it never occurred to her to even find out who the woman was right like, how does this not occur to you how do you not fact check your sources and I shit don't like know. that and I'm like they didn't even really know where it came from other than the fact that it had been on that flyer and I'm like mm-hmm. y'all I just as a woman journalist I have so many questions there but I'm like I know the 70s were a different time but either way yeah do your um, fucking
1: research people yeah I just God. I
2: have issues with that but either yeah. way so as I said, Leona, um, her, one of her sisters saw the photo in Ms. Magazine and immediately knew she knew, I mean, when that's your sister, you know, Oh yeah, you know, your sister and Jerry's daughters, uh, had been told that their mother had died in a car accident. Oh, Kids were pretty young. So you kind right. of understand how are you going to fathom abortion and all of that right. when you're that young. So when they were older i think they were teenagers when all this happened they figured it out they the photo was wildly circulation they realized it was their mother so the photo since then has become an anti um or a, I'm sorry, an abortion rights symbol used to illustrate the fact that access to elite, to legal and professionally performed abortions reduces deaths from unsafe abortions. And because at the same time that this was going on, a lot of um, anti-abortion people were using photos or illustrations of aborted fetuses or a photo right. inside the womb because that technology had just kind of become available. They were using that being like, oh, don't kill this baby. And or they were fucking using
0: elephant embryos because you can't
2: tell the difference. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were using this photo of Jerry then as an answer to that. Like, what do you care about, that quote unquote one inch of tissue or this grown adult woman suffering by herself and dying alone? In 1995, G- uh, filmmaker Jane Galuli, I hope I'm saying that right, made a documentary. Galuli. Uh, Made a documentary called Leona's Sister Jerry, in which she interviewed Jerry's family members, um, including Leona and her daughters. Um, I cannot recommend it more. It's about an hour watch. Um, It's on several different websites. It's very easy to find if you just Google Leona's Sister Jerry. Um, In the documentary, uh, Leona said she was at first shocked that the photo was published, but later she thought it was a good that it was printed um, because it has brought you know it it it, the they say picture's worth a thousand words and this Mm -hmm. one really is you know and it really kind of nails home why abortion is needed and um she's actually used the picture of jerry um at protests um and it'll she'll hold up a huge sign of the photo and say this is my sister and on the other side there are pictures of jerry as a young woman Mm mm-hmm um joanie has blogged about her mother and abortion rights too i think she's um she and her daughter have been to um protests so they have used it as well uh ms magazine ran the photo again in 2016 after trump's election and predicted that that election would lead to the return of roe versus wade which it did i'll be goddamned weren't they on the money on that one and fyi ms magazine is collecting stories from people who have had abortions if you want to share your abortion story you can do so at msmagazine.com um it looked like they were you know they're not using that still 1970s um way of thinking yeah you know um, right
0: ms magazine i will like definitely like you know stand for even though you know yeah i white feminism makes its mistakes that is absolutely 100 percent certain but i mean they have been fighting you know fighting and without that picture as you know maybe shady as they should have checked their sources and they should have done this and this and this but without that picture the reality of it just would not have been as
2: clear Mm i I i'm so torn on this story because part of me is like you know i think about when serial killers sometimes pose their victims in really horrible ways to like shock the cops. Right. And so they continue to victimize them. Right. Even after death, that bothers me so much. I, that's one aspect I hate of hearing about true crime things is when they continue to re victimize someone. And this woman, you know, was just trying to save her own life. And it, I mean, like I said, I would be horrified, but at the same time, I'm like, well, her picture is being used to prove a point.
1: And, right. and, and and unfortunately I think,
2: it 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 makes s- such an incredibly powerful statement.
0: Well and that's the reality of it is like people talk, you know, it's like would in my story we were talking about like the forced sterilizations and you're like oh well that happened but it's like right. no 64,000 people that this happened to.
2: People with names, people right. with families, right. people, people, people that with, who dreamed know. of a future that included a child.
0: And it wasn't just, you know, and like Like we've talked about of like we're just so far removed from death and how death works and it's like with Larry Kramer and we don't see people die of AIDS the way they used to die of AIDS we haven't seen people die of abortions the way they used to die of botched abortions and we're going to start seeing that
2: unfortunately yes we're going to see people
0: with bicycle spokes in their fucking cervixes I mean that's just that's going to
2: happen well, let's talk really quickly about the men in her life. Um, San- after uh, Jerry's death, Sam Satoro did take his daughters back to California. But Ugh. then he died in 1975. So, oh, wow. I mean, I'm s- sorry for the girls for losing both of their parents. but Same. And mm-hmm. um, they did not really talk about him a whole lot in the movie. They talked about him enough to be like, yes, he was a jerk. Um, but then Clyde did, as I said, he served his time. He went back to his wife and family. Um f- afterward, and he died in 1979 again at a fairly young age. So good <laughs> bye, sucker. Off you fuck, Clyde. Yeah, bye. Uh so Jerry is buried at Nathan Hill Cemetery in Coventry, Connecticut. She has a simple marker that just reads Geraldine Santoro, 1937 to 1964. Um, it's the cemetery seems like a pretty small family rural type of cemetery. Um, but she is buried there alongside many, many, many members of her family. They, they all seem to be there, which is Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Um, had Jerry not died of an abortion, had she had access to a legal and safe abortion today, she would be 87 and she would be a grandmother
0: Mm -hmm. and,
2: you know, reading this story. I couldn't help but think of my own grandmother who was pumping out babies in 1953. Right. When, when, uh, Jerry was getting married and, you know, about to have her kids. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is not far in in our timeline y'all. This is, this is. Well, -hmm. yeah.
0: I mean, my grandma, my mom was born in 1961. My grandmother was unmarried. Um, her family all told her, Oh, don't keep the baby, don't keep right. the baby, give it up for adoption as soon as it's born. My grandma refused to because my grandma was a fucking badass.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but you know, she I mean, that's what I talk about with like pregnancy being a watershed moment in her life, is like she caught a lot of shit for being a single mom in the 60s. Yeah. And a single mom by choice. She, you know, she wasn't a widow. She wasn't, she was just like, This is my baby, y'all can fuck off.
2: Right. So in, um, like I said, her daughter, Joni did do several blogs. She wrote blogs there for a while. And I think it must be defunct because the only way I found it was through the Wayback machine. But on one of those blog posts, um, Jerry's daughter, Joni wrote my mother, my mother never fought for women's rights. She was not a great feminist leader. She did things in life that did not make headlines. She was just my mom. She put her life on the line for my sister and me and for herself. And she lost.
1: Mm.
2: Oh, so sad. And that is the story of Jerry Santoro, whose name we need to lift up and, and put some respect on. Absolutely. Because Cause
0: like I said, I've seen the picture, but I had no idea where her name was. Yeah.
2: And she died trying to protect herself and her children. Right. right. Bless her heart. And Ugh. had she had access to legal abortion, she right. would be here today. Absolutely. Yep. Or so even
0: protection from her abusive fuck face of a husband.
2: Right,
1: right. That's a whole nother episode. Oh, let me yeah, tell you. Ya. Yeah. Y'all don't get me going.
2: <laughs> yeah. Me neither. That's, me neither. Mm, anyway,
1: well, let's keep this depressing party going. We're trying to purge it, you guys. We're yes. Trying to yes. purge it. Yeah. Well, these stories are important. You know, their they names are. need to mean something. And yes you know, uh, what they went through doesn't need to happen again. And so by sharing these stories, um, and this one is the, my story is the first time that I've just looked for a grave that spoke to me as opposed to looking at the story and then later coming up. Oh, okay. Well, this, you know, this is where they're buried. I was looking for somebody who, and unfortunately there are a lot of women who have died from abortions that have, headstones. So
2: let me, let me just say that was something I meant to say at the top Mm -hmm. of the episode in cleaning tombstones at Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis. I've been cleaning stones for two years now. I've cleaned almost 400 and I've cleaned a lot of women's stones who died from abortion Mm -hmm. before Roe v. Wade when abortions were illegal. And, um, you know, they don't all have their stories on their monument right. the way that Kate does. But it was weird. There was like a week or two there that that's all I seemed to clean, And I wow. was like, this is a weird. sign. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah, horrible. it, you see a woman who died young and you think maybe she died in childbirth. Mm-hmm. Maybe she had an accident. Cause you don't think the stuff that takes you out at old age, but then you look it up and it's abortion. Yeah. Well, so and people these like are just think- a few of the women right that have died from this well
0: and that's the thing to remember about pregnancy is women still die in childbirth
2: yeah today
0: right we have <laughs> of the industrialized nations we have the worst maternal mortality rate we have the and worst
2: especially bad mortality moms especially oh, yeah. oh, and yeah.
0: especially in places in the south where you right. have the shittiest healthcare infrastructure imaginable yeah so somebody on tiktok said it perfectly where pregnancy is not a health neutral state right. pregnancy is still a very very dangerous thing
2: yeah for sure anyway sorry to interrupt blue hook yeah no, I'm sorry,
0: blue you're too.
1: okay so rebecca suzanne or becky bell was born on august 24th 1971 she was the second child and only daughter of bill and karen bell bill and karen were high school sweethearts they were the prom queen and king
2: oh he was
1: He was an athlete. She was also homecoming queen. Uh, They graduated
2: Taylor Swift song,
1: (laughs) probably. (laughs) Uh, They got married and lived that suburban Indianapolis life. He traveled and worked as a salesman for an office equipment company, and Karen stayed home voluntarily. They had she's made that very clear in interviews that it was her choice. She wanted to stay home and be there for their kids, which. Good for also, Bill and Karen. Right, right. Which included uh, their older son, Billy, and then, of course, Becky. So in interviews following Becky's death, her parents recalled that she was sensitive and tender. She enjoyed writing poetry, rescuing animals. She volunteered at the Humane Society and had hopes to become a veterinarian after college. She loved horses.
2: Aww. Aww like you
1: yes she was a member of the band at Ritter high school where she Band geeks yes she had (laughs) just started her junior year she was the small town girl all in all parents encouraged their daughters to look up to and aspire to be uh, you know ridiculous
2: small town girl yeah yeah. Sorry, I had to be very white no, there. No.
1: T- no, <laughs> seriously, lighten the mood. And talk about some ridiculous pressure to put on a 17-year-old.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. If okay. it helps lighten the mood, any Rosie just took the gnarliest dump really <laughs> in the
1: litter box close to me and I am struggling. Ugh. Carry Hold on. on. <laughs> I'm about to bring the mood way down okay. on September 16th, 1988 becky bell became the first known person to die as a result of the parental consent laws around abortion mm. see at some point late that summer she discovered she was pregnant now how old was she at this point point? 17 okay when she told so her young. when Ooh, she told her boy- boyfriend who she had been dating for seven or eight months Ooh. he broke up with her and told her to leave him alone Oh I hate teenage that, boys.
2: I'm sorry. God damn last song. I'm sorry to all teenage boys and their moms. I'm not but there are the some worst. that are there are some that are just not raised right and they are trash. Absolutely. Oh, anyway, anyway. So she did leave him alone and she did what mm. any
1: responsible person would do you know, not just a 17-year-old, just a responsible person. She looked into her options. She went to the local Planned Parenthood in Indianapolis, where she was informed that she would only be able to obtain an abortion with the consent of one of her parents. Right. So if she wanted to fight against the parental consent law, she would have to go up before a judge. Mm. But the odds of an abortion being approved by a court without her parents finding out what she was going to court for you know that's not like, going to happen how the hell is a teenager yeah, supposed not to Yeah that's gonna happen this? yeah uh someone and i believe it was one of probably one of the nurses at Planned Parenthood told her her best bet would be to go to Kentucky which was only a few hours away make an appointment at a clinic there where parental consent was not required for the procedure at the time she did schedule a visit with a Kentucky clinic a Kentucky clinic but she never made it to the appointment mm. on the night so so there's kind of a week-long timeline so that's what we're hitting up now so on the night of Saturday September 10th she attended a party with a friend or at least that's what she told her parents mm-hmm. and she mentioned you know hey my friend's going through it I'm probably going to spend the night with her because you know she just needs me however she came home at about 1 a.m that Sunday morning, she complained she was feeling bad that somebody must've put something in her drink. She just was, Mm. was dragged out and just not herself. Sunday, when she woke up, she still wasn't feeling good, but it wasn't bad enough to where she couldn't, you know, get up and do things. She went to work at her part-time job at cub foods where she was a cashier and she fainted at work. Oh, So whatever was going on with her was, was building Um, on Monday, she told her friends at school, she was sick and she cried when she told them she was sick. It was a very, Mm. very kind of strange, emotional way to tell her friends this. She did stay home on Tuesday and she told her parents, look, I just think I got a, got the flu. I need to stay home Mm
2: -hmm.
1: on Wednesday. She developed a fever and by Thursday, her fever had reached 103 degrees Mm. Throughout this whole week, her parents kept asking, Hey, can we make you an appointment to go to the doctor? Do you want to go to the doctor? And she continued to refuse and say, look, it's just the flu. I'll be okay in a couple of days. And so they said, okay, if that's what you want, we won't take you. Friday morning, the day Becky would die. She told her mom that she had started her period, but she was too weak to make it to the bathroom. Mm. Karen helped her and it was an hour before Becky came out bleeding profusely and breathing erratically. Ugh. They were finally able to convince her to go to the doctor. They made her an appointment for that afternoon. And upon seeing her, the doctor diagnosed her with pneumonia, which she did have okay. and, and sent, okay. her, sent her to the hospital. I was about to be like wrong end. Yeah, their no, doc. No, was she seven hours after she was admitted to the hospital, Becky Bell was dead at the age of 17. <sighs> her parents had gone to dinner. Uh, they, you know, they checked her in, they went to grab a sandwich and came back and the doctor told them she flatlined and is in a coma and we don't know if she's going to survive. Could mm-hmm. you
0: imagine how bad you would feel as a parent of like, I'm going to go grab a sandwich and you come back and your kid's in a coma. Right. Yeah.
1: Just, and I i also believe it is it was at that point that they were told that becky was pregnant um, oh and the doctor said something like we don't think we're going to be able to save the baby and karen was like i don't care about the baby you right save my baby you save exactly baby. yeah um they were in shock of course and the shock only increased when they were called by the coroner the next day with the news Becky's cause of death was due to an unsterile abortion that had led to a massive mm. infection and eventually pneumonia. Mm. Um, no one knows how she received the abortion. She so this
0: not- unsafe abortion didn't even
1: abort the baby? No, no. So there was, uh, I think I get to it in a second, but basically um, they think that the, inf- uh, what one of the friends of the family who is a doctor believes that the what she did to herself hoping to to jumpstart the abortion right caused this terrible infection and the infection is what led Ugh, to right. the miscarriage basically. right bless her heart uh, yeah so they they have no idea how she received it but their best guess was that she used some type of instrument a knitting needle or a piece of wire to (sighs) attempt to induce an abortion Um, Mm. it's not likely that her abortion was done by a back alley abortionist Mm -hmm. as those had pretty much disappeared since the legalization of abortion with roe v wade in 1973 right um and then again the the family friend who was a surgeon theorized okay she put something in her uterus that caught that she was hoping would cause an abortion, but just it made was, her sick. It just made her sick. And that infection is what led to the, you know, quote unquote abortion, which is why she started bleeding heavily on Friday. Mm-hmm. But that was the baby finally, you know, right. A- and at first, in the first few days, Karen and Bill were ashamed of their co- daughter's cause of death, but that did quickly change after they met with the minister who would preside over her funeral He asked for permission and they said, okay, you go ahead. And he told all of the mourners at the funeral that Becky had died from a septic abortion. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, For the first few months after her death, her parents struggled to find meaning and would later recall that they all but ignored their son. Oh. Bill said in an interview, quote, it'd be less than honest if we didn't tell you it was a struggle to get through the first 12 to 13 months. We had no purpose, no ambition, no motivation. Sure, we love our son, love each other, but nothing excited us, motivated us, end quote. I can imagine. And care emotions were much stronger as I imagine they would be, you know, yes, as a father, losing your daughter to an abortion or just losing your daughter in general, that's awful. But as speaking as a mother, I cannot imagine how that felt for Karen. There's no, no way a man can feel the way that the one who gives birth to that child. Oh yeah.
2: It just, and, and, and being a woman too, and knowing Mm -hmm. what it's like to be pregnant and right you know, that that is a fear that a lot of young women have is the fear to get pregnant at a a young age. I mean, I've
0: had a scare. I've had more than one. And I was in my fucking 20s. One time I was in my 30s. And I was like, I am independently, you know, I'm independent. I, of course, I was living in Mississippi, but I'm like, I have the money to go over to New Orleans and do what I need to do but still you're fucking
1: terrified. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Karen said, quote, I feel like my whole family's been raped. I Oof. feel like I've been ripped open. I feel like I've had my head in a hole for years. I don't That's feel hard. like I used to at all. And I never will again. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, that um, changes you. It
1: does. The bell at, at
2: your very core. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, no. And so these, this couple, they were card carrying Republicans. They had voted Mm -hmm. for Reagan, George Bush, the first one. Uh, They took their anguish and rage at the strict laws about parental consent and became poster parents for the abolishment of parental consent laws. Mm -hmm. They attended legislative hearings and pro-choice rallies in 37 states. Mm. Wow. Bill would say, quote, these little girls are political footballs because they don't vote. A politician can be pro-choice and support a woman's right, but at the same time, throw a bone to the other side and deny a young woman. Mm. He's not wrong. Right. So before we move on, I do want to kind of address the elephant in the room for a family that was so close. Why didn't Becky feel that she could go to her parents for help? Well, obviously they would have been upset and disappointed in her, Yeah, but an incident less than a year before her death may have been too recent, a reminder of just what might happen if she disappointed her parents and y'all I mean bless their their hearts this was just the most ridiculous way to react to this when she was 16 Becky confessed to her parents that she had been experimenting with marijuana oh Um, boy what was Karen and Bill's response to immediately put their daughter into an intensive two-month stay in an inpatient drug rehab what
2: oh for weed
1: for weed. I because. saw one article said that she came to them and said she had a drug problem and then another article went more in depth and said she was smoking some
2: pot and they yeah. put her
1: in a but, two-month rehab.
2: Come Aww. on now, you can't tell me, you cannot tell me that those parents did not inhale at some point in their teenage years. Seriously, Aww. they can't in the 60s that. and you 70s. cannot tell me that. Yeah, well, yeah, we're in that is such so, yes. a wild, but you know, I still see older people saying that kind of thing today about weed. Like, oh my, my God, weed. And I'm like, dude, I calm mean, down. You think, like, <laughs> old people need weed to help with
1: their aching joints because my right? mom and dad have both said that as soon as the dispensary opens in Orlando, uh, yep. they're going to get them some edibles because bless their hearts, they can barely move.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Jesus. But yes. there are some, but when parents of that generation are at that age of, of her parents, yeah, I, I Get I'm not shocked, especially yeah. especially the super conservative voted for Reagan types, right? They would do that. They would overreact in that way, and so I can't. I would be terrified. I would they done that yeah. to me as, as for smoking a joint here and there? I would die before well, I told and Well, I'm mean, to say that as terrible well, way yeah. to say it. But you know what I'm saying? Like I would be terrified to tell them I'm pregnant because what What would she what would have happened had she said my boyfriend and I are having sex I need some help getting birth control or condoms or I need just right. some guidance some parental you know motherly advice well, or so something. I, I They'd really lost their minds then.
1: well well so a court again this was something I read after the fact that she Karen said that at one point she did tell her that you know if you're gonna have sex make sure you use protection whether right. or not that happened is you know hindsight yeah Yeah. this is just what karen has said in interviews that she did you know and becky kind of laughed it off but it is so so important to not be naive and think your kids aren't going to have sex they're going to have sex just oh yeah educate them to use safe sex practices yes for sure you know, anyway, so this next quote is a long one. So bear with me, try to keep, cause you're going to probably rage a little bit. Cause I did. Okay. Oh boy. Let, let me get through it and then we can rage together. Okay. So, and, and, and again, this is just, maybe it was the time that she said this, that it's just that you, this quote would not fly today from Karen. Yeah. So she said, quote, I've thought about a lot about what I've done. If Karen, if Karen, let's start over rewind. She said, "Quote, I've thought a lot about what I've done. If Becky had told me she was pregnant, I would have been mad, upset that she'd ruined her life, worried what the neighbors would think. I wanted her to be a good girl. I taught her right from wrong. I never would have hit her though. I would have taken her through the options. Do you want the baby? Do you want to get married? Do you want to put it up for adoption? Write down the list to abortion." But it would have been her decision, and Dad and I would have stood by her if only she had have
2: come to us. End quote.
1: Silence. Um, we're not. We're not frozen, y'all. They,
2: they I, just can't, no I can't. I can't begin. I can't begin. I'm about to short circuit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, in doing Jerry's story earlier, I wanted to rage out when her daughter Judy talked toward the end of the documentary and said something like i'm very anti-abortion blah 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 blah. but then she's like but i had one and you know and, and it you're was not one too those, anti it huh yeah and it but it was very much one of those what she was trying to say and i don't think the movie sort of i don't know that she articulated it well in the film was that she was a christian she thought life began at, con- at conception blah 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 but that she, you know, would not choose it again, maybe, but that it needs, but she did say a woman needs the choice. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. So and I think, if there, you I personally think there would never have, have one. Yes. Fine. Right. And I think that was her whole point was it's a, what I gathered from her saying that was abortion is a huge topic. There's a lot to it. It's not just a simple pro baby, pro mom, pro whatever. It's very, right. very, it's heavy. And I think she was saying, you know, I, I support a woman's right to choose. However, I, I would not have one blah, blah, blah. And so, but I'm not getting that same amount of nuance mm-hmm. from Karen. Whereas, like I said, I, at first when Judy started talking, I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, no, no, no. I see what you're saying. Okay. You said it kind of weird, but I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm getting that from Karen. I don't know yeah. that Karen, I hope today she's like angry at what's happening, but I'm not sure after hearing that quote. Um, well, I, and uh, here's I,
0: the thing. And I keep seeing did it. Did they
2: ever beat their
1: kids? Like they talk about, <sighs> they did mention that she never got in trouble, never got spankings, but their boy did all the time. So I'm like, but, but you know, and it, it's wrong, but back then in the 80s you got oh, it was nineties. Yeah, right. got yeah, yeah yeah in the you, the 80s you and got 90s your ass you and got before. your ass whipped
2: and, you did yeah
1: and but but what crack doesn't crack me but what infuriates me is that ruined her life what are the neighbors gonna think be yeah, a good right. girl
0: and that's I the am thing. not
1: gonna hit you
2: if uh, she
0: had had a safe abortion, it, d- it didn't have to ruin her life.
2: Exactly. Right. And she the nurse wouldn't have known. Who would have and known? she would be, she was going to be a good girl regardless. I'm sorry. But if you're getting pregnant at 17 does not mean you're a bad girl. Well, no, and here's Jesus. the
0: thing too, is, and I keep seeing it of like, adopt, adopt, adoption, adoption, give your no. baby up. <laughs> you know how fucking, exp- uh, well, you know. giving your baby up for adoption is an alternative to parenting. Yeah. It is not an alternative to pregnancy. Thank you. Louder for everyone <laughs> in the back. I hate that okay. phrase, but it's like, true. Pregnancy is the issue here. Yes. Not whether or not you want to be a parent, not whether blah, blah, blah. You're, it's the cart before the horse. Yeah. A hundred percent. It does not solve the problem of there is a person who is pregnant Who does not wish to be so like that poor little 10 year old will give
2: her baby up for adoption. If she survives the fucking pregnancy, these men, lawmakers do not understand what pregnancy does to a woman's body. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking about a 28 year old woman. We're talking about a 10 year old child. I cannot fathom pregnancy at that age and what that does to your body. And and they don't care. They don't care. They don't get it. They don't want to get it. That's they don't likely, care. We're not going to change their minds.
0: Right. If she had gone through that pregnancy, it likely would have damaged her organs so much. She would have been infertile for yeah, the rest
1: of her life. Or it would have killed her. Exactly. exactly. Could have very well yes, have easily, killed her. Easily.
2: And yeah. And that's. I mean. And, and I hate. I hate. I hate. Hate. Uh, the whole, what would the neighbors think? Who I gives a shit? people who Absolutely. judge anyone who gets pregnant pregnant and they're not married what does it matter what oh and then to say
1: do you want to get married should, you know should right you and get that was don't get married because marriage is not
2: the answer here. oh my god
1: Just it's like as, a baby is not the answer for your unhappy marriage exactly right
0: and as somebody who grew up with a lot of friends whose parents got married because of a pregnancy yeah. they were not happy no they it's not are. it's not a great great platform to and start then a the marriage
2: kids are stuck in between unhappy mom and unhappy dad trying to play mediator for the and rest of their lives they low-key know that you hate them just a tiny bit yeah mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> just saying um but yeah that okay i wish this karen girl, living up to her, her name had, i wish better for this girl I and know we've said she, that about well, every and, woman and, that we've talked I will about. But
1: say, I will say, you know, her parents,
2: you know, and
1: again, maybe I should this quote. I it just enraged me, and I was including it because they did work very hard yes. to get these consent laws. So well, I did. And
0: sometimes that's what it takes—is mm-hmm. you it hitting home?
1: Yeah. It right.
0: There's it now. It should have to, I mean, like empathy, like I am so sick of people of men who I know mean well, but are like, well, if it were my sister or my daughter or my, and I'm like, I'm a person.
2: Yeah. In and of
0: myself. (laughs) I deserve my own bodily autonomy because I'm a fucking human being. Yes. Asshole. Please stop relating to me in terms of who I am owned by. Yes, Exactly.
2: I just, uh, I, get, I think her parents have, have probably made a come around and they're they're better people. But I, I hate that that's what she felt like, that she felt like she had no one to go to. That right. breaks my heart. Yeah. I want every woman, I don't care what age or any person who can get, I want everybody, God, y'all, I want everybody to feel loved and supported. And that you can come to someone, whether it's your family, your friends, a teacher, someone, a counselor, a therapist, whatever, that you can find someone that you feel safe talking to. Mm -hmm. And that you can say, this is what's going through, you know, and that, you know, they can get some kind of help or guidance because God, life is scary and there's no manual. None of us know what we're doing. And when you're 17 god you really don't know well, and
0: you can sit like i had this argument granted this was like when we were in high school so we were obviously dipshits in high school but this girl you know there we were talking about it and she was like i was like well what happened if you get sexually assaulted she's like well i feel like my faith and yada yada and i was like but you don't know till you've been there yeah. you don't mm-hmm. know till you're there and when you're there you don't know what you're gonna do you know yeah
1: yeah. We had a class in high school. I can't remember what it was like. One of those economical, you know, learning how to balance your checkbook classes. Mm-hmm. And we did debates and things like that. And I remember the the day we wanted to do pro-choice, pro-life. I was the only one in the classroom that was pro pro-choice. Same here. At, but... The T and I left because it was um, if you got on a roll, you got donuts. So I got to go get donuts. So I was the (laughs) only. But then when I got back, the teacher had gotten the room split up because she's like, "Well, what if you're raped? What if there's incest? What if the baby Mm -hmm. isn't going to survive?" And people were like, "Well, in that case, it's like okay, that's yeah." You either when we did
0: that in my civics class, we had to stand up for our vote, and so it was me and um, his name is James. I won't say his last name. We were the only two who like voted pro choice. And I'm like, uh, making us stand up for this vote is kind of shitty That was pretty
1: ridiculous.
2: Of yeah. the civics yes. teacher
0: who was also the basketball coach.
2: Of course they were. <laughs> yes. And
0: he was Southern and he was teaching <sighs> civics. So it's not like it's yeah, not which is important. Joke. Right. Yeah. So I was, but I was like, come at me, bitch. You
2: know? yeah. 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 And so- that's, I think that's the thing too, is you go back to, Abortion is not and and that's the truth with so many other things in life is abortion is not so black and white. Right. No, and it's absolutely very great. I think there are hundreds of thousands of probably millions of women or people who could get pregnant who wanted that baby, but for mm-hmm. whatever reason had to have that abortion. And, and right. by God, we are not gonna demonize them. They made the nope, choice right. that was correct like- for themselves, and that's no one's business but theirs.
0: Right, and like the thing that went around, you know, when when the draft opinion leaked, and I was, you know, it's that, you know, oh, the the person who got raped, the person who's a victim of incest, the person who's right. babies, and that's those are all completely valid. They are. But that was like the whole. Oh, I'm not pro-abortion. I am. Right. If yeah. if you just had a regrettable one-night stand and shit happened, gone. If you just, if this is not the right time in your life, yeah, go off. If you never, ever wanted to have kids and just, you know, bad luck happened because bad luck happens, do it. Like I, or if you know what, you're just like, you know, I've got other shit I'd rather do right now than be a parent. Fucking do it. Like, I don't care what your reasons are. You don't have, it's, you, you don't know, have to I, have a reason. I get why it's we, no
2: one's business. We what do this reasoning. like
0: morality Olympics when I it comes know. to it or that it has to be some sad, awful, tragic story right? for some people. And I know a few their abortion was the best goddamn thing that ever happened to them oh, in yeah. their life. Oh yeah, I know yeah. several
2: people like that too. Yeah.
0: And so we don't get to take that away from them.
2: No we don't. No, it's not our place to. And it's it this to me applies with so many things whether it's a woman or you know who's trying to decide what how, how she wants to raise a family, whether it's a trans person saying my gender is not what my sex is con- it signed at birth was, whatever it is, trust me when I say someone knows their own life and their own body better than you do. And it is Absolutely. not your business. Boo, mm-hmm. boo, boo, honey, boo, boo, child. It is not <laughs> your business.
0: Exactly. And get I'm out al- of
2: everybody's business.
0: And again, adoption is an alternative to parenting. It is not an alternative to, to pregnancy.
2: pregnancy. Boom. Oh, yes. We're gonna
0: put that on a t-shirt.
1: Back to Becky, y'all. I'm sorry. Yes, back to Becky. No, we on. Can, we're we're, sorry. we're gonna go on <laughs> all night. Uh, so the Bells did find a note from her about a year after her death that gave them oh. some insight in how to into how she was feeling oh in the le- weeks leading up to her death. The note read, quote, Dear mom and dad, I wish I could tell you everything, but I can't. I have to deal with it myself. I mm. can do it. And I love you. Oh, Becky, sweet baby. Obviously, give her a hug. yeah, obviously, this was a girl who was upset and worried about and how they were going to react and felt like the only thing she could do was do it herself. Mm. Yep. And that every, her, every, heart. her naive heart thought, OK, I, I can do this. I got this. OK, right.
0: And every 17 year old has that moment where they're like, I can fucking do this. Yeah, oh,
1: totally. Totally. Yeah. And as, as we've, as we've mentioned, you know, we, we've had our our rage session about it. <laughs> I cannot, sh- but I, I want to come back and say, I cannot stress how fucking important it is to make sure your kids know that it is okay to come to you no matter absolutely. what, no matter
2: what. Hey mom, and- I had
1: sex. I'm pregnant. Hey mom, I'm okay. a drifter. Hey mom, right. <laughs> Well, Fine. And we'll deal with it. You yes. my, I'm an auntie.
0: And so my nibblings know, I'm like, I don't care what you did. Call me. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel like you can talk to your mom, you don't feel like you can talk to Nana or, you know, for the older two boys, if you don't feel they'd go to their pawpaw for everything. Shit. I go to their pawpaw for everything. <laughs> um, but I'm like, if, come to me. I'm not going to judge you. Yes. I'm just, we're going to, you know, what do you need? What do you need? And we'll get I, it done. And when it yes. comes time to tell your mom what happened, I'll be right there with you. Cause she's not going to throw a punch at me. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think of it as like improv, you know? Yes. And
0: exactly. Like you
2: come to me. I'll say, okay, yes. And then we go from there right we'll exactly it we got to you just you don't make it to where your kid's scared or anxious to come to you that just like i said i just i will i wish everyone had a person that absolutely. they felt safe to talk to go to it sucks to feel alone yeah oh absolutely no, it's and terrible and, and i mean i think about jerry who died alone i and can't imagine knowing like that, that like, you're
0: bleeding to death
2: yeah and your quote-unquote boyfriend lover whatever's like (laughs) peace out. Right.
0: And just knowing you can't call anybody.
2: Like she called the one person she could call. And yeah. And you think about the ladies in Auschwitz Mm -hmm. who wanted those babies. Yeah. I have no doubt that they wanted their babies. I mean, some of them may not have, but generally speaking, I bet they probably did. And they had to, you know, I I can't imagine how alone
0: they felt. Right. And that was, you know, kind of what Dr. Pearl told them is like, we can either do this now you know, you could be pregnant now and they will kill you. If I do this, you could probably have kids later. Yeah. You know, if you get a later. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, this is going to help you get to a later more so than anything else is, Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. because at that point with the death camps, it's just like, wait it out as long as you can.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I, and this is kind of an odd place to put it, but I'm just going to, I feel I want to share this as the mother of our group. I have been pro-choice. I have always been pro-choice. For me, like we talked about earlier, I do not think I could go through with an abortion. Right. If I were in different circumstances, maybe, but that does not mean that I don't believe that a woman should have the right to have access to a safe means to terminate a pregnancy. Um, when it comes down to it, if I was pregnant and somebody on TikTok shared this, uh, she was pregnant and sharing it when it, that, that baby is a fetus. And if it comes between the fetus and your the child you have living, absolutely protect that other child, you know, it's, it's yeah. anyway, so they're people need access. There shouldn't be crazy laws. I think there was actually a movie that came out a couple of years ago, I think on HBO about a girl who got pregnant and had to take a road trip to New Mexico because she didn't yeah. want to tell her parents. Right. And, and, and I'll get to that in a second, but I haven't been able to find any recent updates about Karen or Bill Bell. And unfortunately their name is very common. Yeah. <laughs> I've used all of my tricks, you know, looking up obituaries and have not been able to find them um before the recent supreme court ruling that overturned roe v wade only 12 states allowed abortions without parental consent alaska california connecticut hawaii maine oregon nevada new jersey new mexico new york vermont and washington damn Hmm. 15 states including kentucky Required at least one parent's permission before obtaining oh. an abortion. So Kentucky flipped since this right. day. Of course they wow. did. Now you have to have parental consent. And four, including... Mississippi, oh boy, required consent from both parents, which what is you impossible only have to get. Parent? Well, and, and, and no, I mean there are the they have the extenuating circumstances where if oh, like a you single single only parent. have you only have one custodial parent. Or, I'm sorry, you know, there a lot of them had the extenuating circumstances, but if you if both of your parents are living together and have custody of you you have to get both of them to consent for you to have or i was gonna have. say
2: i
0: could s- sometimes not get both uh, parents to consent to a fucking field trip
1: right,
2: right. Yeah. And, and i'm sorry every man in my family has practically has taken off and left yeah so how the hell are you gonna get two yep. signatures
1: you, you would have God. to go before the court and get, yeah you know, petition a judge to say hey my dad you know took off when i was sure five. Yeah, meanwhile this kid this kid is terrified because they're growing a baby yes that uh, is crazy fucking you're supposed I'm, to get
0: all this done in like the two weeks between well, when going you to find your pregnant this yeah. and yeah
2: all that yeah and uh-huh. it costs sure. money
1: to file these
2: petitions yes, it, yes, does.
1: it does it does yeah. um so back to becky again <laughs> sorry <laughs> i have a
0: lot of rage no, no there's <laughs> a
1: lot of rage and you know becky's story brings it out Uh, She was buried at Bethel Cemetery in Indianapolis. And y'all, her headstone is gorgeous. The front features a carved angel that I couldn't find anything that said that this was what they planned, but it looks just like her. Like the facial features are exactly the same. Um, And there's an inscription that reads, I am a free bird now, which is the name of one of her poems. And the poem is featured on the back of the stone and reads, quote, I was like a bird on an endless flight, hiding in day and flying at night up above. I could see no wrong, but down below for my peace, I would long. I was, it was like, I was carried through a stream of air that made my life unable to bear. I can still fly and expand my wings, but now I appreciate what life down here brings. Wow. Aww. And that is the sad story of Becky Bell. Um, Like I said, I've got pictures. Her's just, it's gorgeous. Um, You know, and her parents both have stones on either side of her for when they do pass. Um, But it's just a a very beautiful headstone. And apparently not long after she died, um, her mother found a note from somebody at her grave that basically was like, I've been where you are And, and just, you know, it, it was just basically feeling guilt that Mm -hmm. Becky was the one who lost their life. And it's, it's, it's so sad. And there should, you know, I, I have kids. I, if, if God forbid down the road, Bonnie gets pregnant, I want her to feel comfortable with our relationship that she can come to me internally. Mm -hmm. I might be like, Oh shit, what are we going to do? But I want her to feel safe coming to me saying, mom, I'm pregnant. And then we can say, okay, well, what, what do you want to do? You want to yeah. keep it? You want to, you want to try to figure out a way to terminate. Um, and that is so important. Like I want both of them sawyer. I want him to know he can come mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. if something happens. Because I don't want them to live in fear of me. Or absolutely. Adam, you know, and that's it's so sad that this poor girl, she tried to go through the the, the means that you were supposed to. She went to Planned Parenthood to figure out what to do. And they said, sorry, you got to get your mama to sign or your daddy to sign. And- right.
0: And that to me is like, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, a parent has the right to know, you know, what's going on with their kid or whatever. And I'm like, what about a kid's right to have their own life and to right. have their autonomy? And make their decisions for
1: themselves, right? be be there to support them in their, whatever decision they make. It's at the end of the day, it's their life. It's their body. Um, You know, I, you know, there are tons of stories where parents want the the daughter to terminate the pregnancy and she won't do it because she wants to keep the baby. So, you know, it's, it's either, or, you know, if, if they want to keep it, you, you do your best to support them through that decision, because again, it's their decision but if they want to terminate, no matter what your beliefs are, you should not put that on your child mm-hmm. when they are in, you know, obviously it's a crisis situation for them right. when they're that young right. having to, you know, figure out what state can I go to where I don't have to get permission for this and, you know, what might happen after the fact. And if mom and dad don't know, you know, it's, it's,
2: you know, yep. it's Absolutely. Tough. Yeah. And it's, you talk about feeling safe when you go to your parents every black person every native person everyone's gonna laugh at me when I say this because we have not been kind to anybody who isn't white but we shouldn't be afraid of our country either you right, know theoretically right. um mm-hmm. This country I mean, we has never jokes. been good to anybody, but truly, you shouldn't. You, I would like to feel like my country was on my side and wanted the yeah. best for me, and it doesn't. It never has. For anyone who is a race that is not white, it has never really wanted the best for women and you know now of course as white women we're like oh my god like we get it now right um, you know that's uh, the unfortunate thing is that a lot of white women are kind of seeing the light of something that's been going on for 400 years but um but this country actively does not want the best for its citizens and that's really no, scary absolutely. it's unfortunate to be the greatest country in the world yeah we're not no right no. not by yeah. a long shot and absolutely. like, i mean that's like
0: when we joked about like i bought prenatal vitamins last weekend or last week because like I'm They're the best vitamins for right you, and I am literally pregnant deficient or not. in every single vitamin you can be deficient <laughs> in and I needed the vitamins god damn it um and I kind of crossed myself when I bought them because <laughs> I'm just like I don't dear universe this is not an invitation
2: yeah um <laughs>
0: But we joked, was like, okay, now I'm probably on a watch list. You yeah, know?
2: You, I mean, it's a joke, but I'm kind of scared that you probably are, you know, you know? It's this country. So
0: if somebody I, comes and asks me about it nine months from now, I'm going to be like, look, my hair was falling out. That was the only reason I, I got
1: it. Well, it's like, I've seen some people are saying, you know, buy your sanitary supplies with cash. Right. And it's like. I've like, never if been
2: we get
0: to the point where they're tracking your tampon purchases. Like, that like, is literally yeah. something that we are, you know, they're not giving people their autoimmune disease or heart disease pills yeah. because they could be an abortificent. And I'm like, this is horseshit. Like, y'all. to go
2: to like Sam's Club or Costco or something and buy like bulk pads or tampons and <laughs> and just be like, yeah, you don't know. <laughs>
1: well, look, I have never been so glad to have my tubes tied. Cause they come knocking on my door because a, I take prenatal vitamins. I've taken them since I had my kids. Cause they're the best vitamins there are. Uh, and they're delicious. My little gummy vitamins. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, they're going to come knocking on my door and be like, you're taking the pre you've been taking these prenatals for years and you're buying, you're buying sanitary napkins and, and tampons, you know, on a regular basis. What's the deal? I'm like, look, that doctor stitched it up. There's not no babies coming out of come, coming out of this oven anytime soon. <laughs> and know, I, I haven't
0: it's... interacted with a penis in probably like <laughs> six years. So if anything pops up, I have
1: questions. Yeah, yeah. you're going to be questioning the government. What was right. in the toilet? Exactly. What, what did you put on that toilet seat? Just.
2: Name your baby, you know, God Junior, yes. and we'll call you Mary. Yes. Um, so yeah, so thanks for staying with us for this episode. Um, if you are feeling so enraged, as we are, um, if you have the means, please donate to an abortion fund. Um Absolutely. you can Google those left, right, and center, and I know that's probably not the smartest thing to tell you to do, but I'm sure someone smarter than me has found a way to tell you to donate to those causes without getting on any kind of watch list. Um, But also, if you need to take a break and say, I can't watch the news this week because I cannot deal with another mass shooting or another Supreme Court decision, dude, I get it please go watch some, um, good shows. Um, you know, there's our flag means death. There's uh, what we do in the shadows starts back tomorrow. Like, I know I, I'm so excited. I, I can and think y- of all kinds of good shows to, to get things off I, of your mind. I, so I binged, uh, it's called boo bitch.
1: <laughs> on Netflix, it's Cute. a mini series. It's a it's it's bittersweet, but it's got Lana Condor in it from yeah. all, to all the boys, and it was just I was home with the kids today because uh, Bonnie decided she was sick, and I watched the entire eight episodes, wow. and I'm not ashamed to admit it. So boo yeah. bitch on Netflix, and I've been playing like
0: marathon sessions of Civilization Six because it gives me a feeling of control.
2: So. <laughs> um, if you want to read a good autobiography, I'm two-thirds of the way through Debbie Harry's Um, so if you want to enjoy some rock and roll stories and then go listen to all of Blondie's albums I cannot recommend that more Um, so yeah there's there's a lot of good shows that you can dive into um, a lot of good podcasts that aren't as serious (laughs) Um, you know there are things that uh if you needed to take a break it's not don't feel bad please don't feel bad
0: absolutely
2: and we're going to lighten things up next week. We're kind of going to do a potpourri of happy stories. Not really sure what we're going to bring to the table, but it's going to be something a little cheer, more cheerful. Mine's um, probably going to be inadvertently gruesome, and I apologize yeah. in advance. We would expect nothing less.
1: <laughs> Lou where can they find us? We are on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod, or you can send us an email to cemetery row pod at
2: gmail.com. Oh, and
0: let me send a quick thanks to the very nice lady who sent yes. us a message earlier on Facebook.
2: Yes. That I don't think we got
0: back to. I don't think we got back. We to circulated and we're like, we're we so excited. Oh, and yeah. then we got
2: so excited we forgot to respond. <laughs> we got you We're boo t- listen it's been a bad couple of weeks at yes. least for me personally i just i've really struggled lately so and normally i'm the one that handles the social stuff i'm so sorry i will go respond to that person right now stephanie. bad sheena stephanie Heck yeah stephanie we love she you is,
0: she is our from our neighbors to the north we yes. saw it. We were very
2: excited. We all have ADHD. Yes, yes. that too, <laughs> that too. It's, it's been crazy, but yeah, I'll go respond to her right now. But um, yeah, so send us a message and, and, and share some good stories or share whatever you want to share with us. We will listen. Um and go to your local cemetery and uh go pay some respect to the people who are there. Please leave it as you found it. Do not leave any litter. If you litter, I just I will come after you. And let me tell you, there are you people
0: who walk their dogs in the cemetery up here, and they don't clean up after their dogs. And yeah, I'm like, do that. Gross. Do you want a
2: poltergeist? Because that's how you get a poltergeist. It is. <laughs> um. But yeah, please. Um. Just be respectful. Um. Of your local cemetery, but please go and visit it because trust me, some of those people have not been visited in decades and they would appreciate your your thought your thought and your consideration leave them Um, some flowers
0: go take heck yeah i've
2: been meaning to go yes go take some some.
0: do some research before you bring somebody
2: flowers just in case they were an asshole don't bring any assholes flowers (laughs) true um but yeah so thank you for listening tell your friends about us and we will see you next time thanks again y'all Bye.